I don't validate parking, no. All right, good morning. Welcome to Modex 2020, AKA the coronavirus year. <laughs> so um, ironically, it's interesting to see, uh, they started these sessions right out of the gate. Um, can you guys hear me okay? All good? All right, so uh, my name's Michael Wolwin. I'm with Alpine Supply Chain. We are a uh, supply chain consulting organization. And with me today, I'm honored and privileged to have Beth Reed from School Health, and she's the star of the presentation. She's gonna talk about how School Health went through the process to build a brand new distribution center. And then we've got Dan Wazowski, and he actually is with Conveyor Solutions, and they were the ones that actually installed the equipment within the building. So we took the data, we did the analysis, we installed the equipment, and Beth was the overall project manager. So we're really excited to have her here and being able to do the presentation today. So a couple of things before we begin. Um, we're gonna talk about school health and uh, really an interesting business and an organization. What I wanted to do is I'm gonna actually hand out this envelope. If you wanna put your business card in here, the two things we're gonna talk about today is a location addressing system. We've got a nice white paper on that. And then we also have the school health PowerPoint and case study. So if you're interested, we'll go ahead and send that to you. So I'll start it back here. All right, while we're sending that around, what I wanted to do is uh, do some uh, agenda items. So Beth's gonna get up here, she's gonna talk a little bit about school health, what they do, and who they are. They're gonna talk about the current state, where they were before they actually started the project, and then we're gonna discuss the approach to putting in a new warehouse. How many here are either retrofitting a facility or building a new facility? Okay, perfect. So the approach typically is you do a storage type analysis, which is identifying the ideal size and quantity of both the forward pick location and the reserve. Once you do that, you get to lay out the facility. Once you're finished with that, now you know exactly what you need, you procure the equipment, and when you're done procuring the equipment, you wanna actually slot the facility. When we say slot, it's exactly which product goes in, which aisle, bay, level, row position to minimize travel and replenishment. And then you actually wanna address a location addressing system. So with the location addressing system, it's kinda of like the US Post Office. Every house has an address, and every location in your facility has an address. Once you're doing that, you actually install the equipment, and when you're done installing the equipment, you develop and execute a move plan. Moving from one building to the other, Sounds pretty simple, but it's actually pretty complicated, especially if you wanna do it in a tight window. And then we're gonna talk about the most important thing, which is lessons learned. So with that being said, I'm gonna hand it over to Beth, and she's gonna do a quick intro, and then she'll talk a little bit about the challenges of school health. Big green button? Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Are you going to stand and intimidate uh, me? Welcome. Yeah. First, I'm okay. going to give the spiel that my marketing folks said that it's very important I do it exactly right here. about school health, just so you know a little bit about our company. Yeah.
Sure, sure, sure. Great, thank you. I'm a Toastmaster, and the first thing you learn is you always, you can't rely on your technology, right? So welcome again. Hopefully now you can hear me okay. Uh, School Health came about in 1957. It is a family-owned, professionally managed company. We sell a variety of products that are healthcare-related, from Band-Aids all the way up to large equipment. So you can imagine that we had some interesting slotting challenges because of the different sizes. We also had um, a lot of other situations, you know, culture and all that fun stuff that you guys probably have had to deal with. Uh, let me just take a look here. I didn't quite say it the way the marketing folks tell, told me to, but you won't tell on me, right? All right. So we had some business challenges. Our sales folks are interested in aggressive double-digit growth monthly. I'm sure your sales folks would like to see that as well. Sometimes that's a little unrealistic, especially when you're in a building that you've been in since 1993, which was our Hanover Park location. It was great for 1993. It wasn't so great for 2018. We had, a, like I just told you, we had a growing breadth of products. We sell about 20,000 products. We stock around 8,000, but then we also have all those order as needed that if they get returned, you go, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? Uh, the shortfalls, let's see, what do we got here? Yes, well, we're going to get to that more when we get to the, the uh, actual layout. And very limited office space. We actually had a situation in our Hanover Park where the office people, the way that they parked, they walked in through the warehouse, through our overstock area, to get into the office. And we had people with, uh, mach uh, in, in equipment, picking equipment, every day in that same aisle. So it was really dangerous. Next slide. Got it. Oh, and then of course, top talent, we figured we'd need to get some better pe people in. All right, so we were in Hanover Park. You can see here, we had just under 37,000 in warehouse space. And, um, we do have an older system for our WMS, and it is very limited. It requires a train setup, which Michael will talk about. And there's a ghost in the room. Our senior operations manager, David Bartula, if he was here, would also make sure to let you guys know he can't stand the WMS. But it is what it is. We're only going to spend so much money. If we're building a new building, we can't also put in a new WMS. You can't have everything because there's only limited money. Uh, so I'd mentioned that we have almost 9,000 SKUs that we keep in-house, and we're constantly evaluating what those SKUs are. So, of course, there's bringing dead stock out, bringing in new stock, getting the situation of making sure that everything goes into the right spot, that fits right, all those fun things that I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. We pick to cart, and we pick to tote. We do not, we, and we have a little bit of pick to pallet. Uh, we've increased that with our new building, but we had very little in the previous building, and you'll kind of see why in our next slide. So if you can see this, it's a bit of an eye chart. On your left-hand side is that overstock area that I was talking about, and that we were picking in that area every day, and that is not obviously ideal, especially with office people walking through that middle aisle. We also had uh, additional office space that was out in our warehouse, so office people had to go out through the warehouse to get to our training room, and our accounting people were actually in the warehouse too. They had a disco ball, it was great. Um, then you can see in the center where we have our conveyor, 
And to the right of that, up in the upper right-hand corner, are the bins. Our order desk was right up in between the conveyor and those bins. So there was a lot of back and forth when we were picking. You go to the bins, you come back to the conveyor. We also had a, an, an additional bin area for very small stuff over a mezzanine, which is down here uh, in the lower left. So you can imagine how difficult it was to pick from all these different places and then to marry it all up by the end. And in our peak season, which is third quarter, we do sell to schools. So we're selling the vast majority of what we sell right before they start in the fall. We were actually setting up additional pick areas right in the receiving area that were temporary, or they were supposed to be temporary. Sometimes they stayed for months. But it was a, a lot of congestion, and there, was, there were a lot of safety issues. Next slide. So again, we had goals. We'd been talking about, do we build onto our building? Do we uh, build next to our building? Because we actually have a, had additional acreage right next to that Hanover Park location. Do we just add on to that building? Do we reconfigure the building? Do we go find another location? As you can imagine, these conversations took a couple of years. We finally decided that we absolutely had to go and find a new location. And where would that location best be set up? so that we could accommodate that year-over-year -year growth, um, increase our throughput so that we could meet those sales goals, and get an updated conveyor system, which is why we brought in Dan. And um, there's a, another point down there at the, at, at the bottom, which is a re recent acquisition. Around the same time that we had finally decided that we were going to build this new building, our owners bought another, bought another company but we were told, don't worry about that new company. We're gonna stay in that old building for five more years. Well, I'm standing here telling you today, we moved in to this current building. This is our one year anniversary for the start of our move last year. We're already talking about bringing in that acquisition and guess what? I'm not sure what we're gonna do about that. That's my current project. So now we're enrolling Illinois. It's a beautiful location right off of I-90. If any of you ever go to Chicago, you've probably seen our location. Uh, it's right next to the Gallagher building. Take a look. We think it's gorgeous. It's 80,000 square feet for the total warehouse. We do have a tenant space because, again, you have to be able to pay for their location, so why not get a tenant? And our actual warehouse is 57,000 square feet. We do still have that WMS system that requires a train. D again, David, our ghost in the room, if he was here, would make sure, I have to tell you, we, you have to keep those kinds of things in consideration because that does limit you if you have a similar ancient WMS. Um, we still have the same number of SKUs, just under 9,000. We do still pick to cart in our bin area. And we do pick to tote, we have a much much nicer cart and flow area, thanks to Dan with the, uh, with the conveyor. And we have more space to pick to pallet. So we're adding to that. And our full case pick as well. Pick to carton is something that we continue to talk about, but again, something that is difficult, not from a layout standpoint, but from a WMS standpoint. Now we're into, well, it's 2017, 2018. We're talking about exactly what is it we're going to do. Well, we're going to build a new building. How are we going to make this look? We hired a consultant. He came in and he talked to just upper senior management. 
and they came up with a plan. And, you know, he had been given certain parameters, so what was that plan? To kind of just build a, a basic layout, he, he's, um, they worked together pretty good. I did come in on a brainstorming session with our regular warehouse people at that point, and we did, within that brainstorming session, say, you know, listen, we at least have to push that demising wall back a little bit. We were giving ourselves less than that 50,000 square feet. We pushed the demising wall back and reduced the tenant space with that brainstorming session. And we continued from there. We started to bring in conveyor solutions and started to talk about what that conveyor would look like. And Dan will be telling you a little bit more about that. And we started to work with equipment vendors. Obviously, while you're still in your planning stage, you want to know what kind of equipment you currently have, what equipment you're going to need. Again, additional cost, of course, but an important cost. Next slide. So at this point, we brought in CSI, and I'm going to hand this over to Dan. So, as Beth was saying, um, sorry, I want to apologize for my voice. I've been doing a lot of talking already. Uh, it's been a very short week, but I have a very long week. Um, with the original layout, um, what Beth failed to mention is we were very familiar with it um, from a maintenance standpoint. We did not put the original system in, but we were tasked with maintaining it over the years and with a very old system. We were very familiar with it, how it flowed. We were also very familiar with a lot of things they disliked about it things like that. So when they brought us in, you can go to the next slide. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the original layout? Did we have the consultant layout? Is yeah, that the... but you want to talk about how you went through the Yes. Assistance? So when we were brought in by the consultant and by um, school health, they had us take a look at what the consultant t came up with. And what we typically do, and we work with several other consultants, we'll take a look at that have a little scrum meeting with the consultant, then also sit down with School Health or our customer, speak with them what they like about it, what they don't like about it. We kind of take a look at it. So from that original layout that they, that they gave us, we came up with three alternatives for them. Had another meeting with them. This is a long process. Obviously, this is something where they're building a new building. This is a long, you know, I think it was, I don't know, about a year-long process before we finally got to what we wanted to do. And then also throw in the factor of the elephant in the room, David, they brought him in about halfway through and kind of we had to reiterate everything back to him as we went through those reiterations all over again. So these are just three different layouts that we came up with. Some of them look very similar to what they were doing, but what we really wanted to concentrate on with them is their overall flow of their building. You know, where they receive product, how they get product in, how they restock things. So with the consultant layout, they had some aisles that were blocked off from fork truck traffic, that type of thing. So those are all things that we want to take a look at. When we sit down with a customer, we like to kind of think they're, they're hiring us as an employee to really understand their business, how they're going to grow, um, what challenges they have. <clears throat> so we take a look at all that. They broke it down into three basic areas. <clears throat> the bin shelving area, where they 
started all their orders. Every order that they have start in the bin area. And then it'll flow around and go to their carton flow where they have not only carton flow, they have some pallet flow in there and some full case pick. And then over to the left, <clears throat> they have just their selective rack. Thank you. <laughs> I, again, I apologize. I thought I'd be better in this. <clears throat> so after taking a look at all that and analyzing their data, and Michael will get more into that about the data. It's amazing. You know, I've been doing this for 23 years, and back in the day, we would just kind of take a look, look at a layout at the overall space, throwing some conveyor here, throwing some racking here, throwing some bin shelving there. Now we take a look at it, and we take a look at all their data. I'm not going to steal too much of Michael Sunder because he talks about it more than we do. You know, I was just talking with Beth before this. It would be really nice if we could take a layout, design our rack, design our conveyor, and then design the building around all of that. Well, we don't always have that luxury, and this was one of them. We had a big space construction in the packout area and the manifest area. It's very congested, but we needed to take a look at that and come up with some creative solutions in how to do that. And one of the main things was, is that we saw, and <clears throat> where they're limited on is their WMS. They have, everything was pick to tote for them, and they had pallet, LTL. What we wanted to do is get them to pick to box, but they can't do that in their current state. So what we compromised on was some, <clears throat> dang it, some full case pick, which that's where, can you go to the, go one more slide, we can go back is where we came up with some creative solutions in a tight packed area where as you can see here, we got a little divert station and then there's another one there. That first one goes to their pack area. The second one goes straight around to their manifest which is their full case pick. Because otherwise if you didn't do that, everything would have to get routed around to their pack out area. You could get a full case in there, they just have to look at it, push it through and move on. With this way, what would you say would be the percentage of the, your full case that you guys are running through there? About 10%? About 10% of the boxes. So cutting back on that in that area really helps out a lot. And then we have a full bypass that goes straight through to their LTL laydown area. And again, keep saying this, we had a very tight area, tight constraints, and they kept wanting to take more because they do do a lot of LTL. So you can go back to the other slides now. <clears throat> So once we went through all of those reiterations, which was probably all in all about 45 different conveyor layouts, rack layouts, everything like that, <clears throat> we also helped them with some of the rack layouts. We weren't ultimately chosen to do the racking, but we were chosen to do the conveyor. So once we did that, we had, a, again, another tight timeline to get them in before their busy season, which Beth just said this is their one-year anniversary of their move, and then they had to ramp up and get reacquainted with their whole conveyor system, not only from just an equipment standpoint, but from a process standpoint, because a lot of their processes have changed. <clears throat> and we can talk more about that after the show if you want to. It's not part of the presentation. <clears throat> and then once we put all of that equipment in, one of the main things we look at for us as a company is maintaining that. They do have a maintenance department, but they contracted us to come in and do quarterly PMs, electrical PMs. If they have issues, they just call us up. They signed up with a 24-7, so it really helps out. And it keeps us in front of them to understand what changes they're making. Because a lot of times, if we put in a system and we're not maintaining it and we're not in there, and then they call us up and say, hey, something's not working right. Well, we don't know that they change box sizes or labels, things like that, so. <clears throat> okay. We kind of talked about this a little bit more. Some the three-way divert. Oh, there we go. Nice to see that the video is working. 
So what we have just prior to this that you're not seeing is a just a sidebar scanner which scans every package that goes by. So as it does that, we have a what we call a WCF, which talks with the WMS. So we scan that product, they already have it loaded in there, so we know exactly where it's going. So that one should go kick off to the right, that box, or go straight through to get palletized. Every toe should, well, I lied. Might have had a miss right there. Oh, those are items that are being married up with the LTL area. That'll get repackaged over there. So if you look at the overall layout, I know it's kind of hard to see in this big thing, but they had a maximum of 10 pack stations. During their normal time, they only use about three of them, but in their peak season, they're using all 10 of them. And with that, I'll turn it over to Michael. I think Is it going to work? <clears throat> He's right here. Check one two one two check check. Am I good? Is it loud enough? Can you guys hear me? There we go. All right. So, um, ironically, we talked about the process, right? And so, I think one of the things that was interesting is um, I think School Health said, okay, so here's our deal, right? Eighty percent of our labor happens between the months of May, June, July, August, and September, right? So right before back to school, every school that needs something for their athletic trainer or for their nurse's office will actually buy this. Now, they do have replenishment orders throughout the year, but the order profile for those are so much smaller and completely different. Melissa, their VP of operations or SVP of operations, was really concerned about the number of replenishments well, the reason she was worried about the number of replenishments is the forward pick location wasn't appropriately sized. So their A items, they were replenishing five, six, seven times a week. If they would have properly sized that forward pick location, they would have been able to only replenish it once a week. So depending on your business, best in class, rule of thumb is your A items once a week, your B items two to four times, uh, replenish it only once every two to four weeks, and C items maybe uh, every month or three months, depending on the velocity of your items. So once we thought about that, the other part of it was, okay, now we've got this layout, we've got the equipment, we've ordered it, where should this go, right? How do I minimize travel? So if you think about a warehouse, you've got space, equipment, labor, and control. And the biggest part of it is, is labor. WERC says that about 55% of your picker's time in a warehouse is spent traveling. So how do we minimize travel and actually get more productivity out minimizing that travel? So one of the ways to do that is slotting. So slotting tells you exactly which product goes in which aisle, level, bay, row position to minimize travel through your facility. And to address that, you have to have a location addressing system so everybody knows this is aisle one, odd on the left, even on the right. Bay one, bay two, bay three, bay four, then within bay four, level row position. And you direct your picker or your put away person or your replenisher to a specific location within the facility. So this is all part of the slotting initiative. Now, with their SKU data, right, the ideal situation is you know the cube of each item each inner pack, each case, and each pallet. Now, my first project 
way, way back in 1992 was I went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama with a tape measure and measured 56,000 automotive parts. And I asked the question, why am I measuring all these automotive parts? They're like, well, we need to know the cube of the item, then we know the quantity on hand, then we know the ideal storage profile, then we know exactly what equipment to use, then we do the layout. And it was one of the first projects I was ever on, and it was built. It was called um, Harco Carport that got bought by CarQuest, which is still part of the advanced auto parts distribution network today. So one of my first warehouses ever built is part of advanced auto parts. The second one I did right here, Pep Boys, south side of Atlanta, and then Marie Sporting Goods was the third one I built. So I built two in Atlanta, one in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and then uh, my fourth one was in Chicago for B&K Plumbing. So it's a small world, but the process is the same, right? Storage type analysis, on the hand inventory, identify the pick location, the reserve, you do the layout, and then once you have the layout, you do the slotting initiative. Now, they didn't have the cube data for all the items. So we went out and we said, hey, 80% of your volume comes from 20% of your SKUs, Pareto's Law, and we cubed the top 20% of their SKUs, which gave them 80% of the volume. Then we did proxy DIMMs for the Bs and C items, right? We didn't have time to go and cube all 8,000. Now, we were brought into the situation a little late, so we did with what we had to because they wanted to be up and running, and we talked about it, right? So their busy season starts around May or June. They moved one year ago yesterday. They shut down over the weekend. What time did you guys stop the last order on that? Was it Thursday? Friday. Friday at what time? Friday at 4 o'clock, they shut down, and then we started moving. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then we were back up and running Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah, we were supposed to be back up and running by Friday, but they rushed. We'll get into that in lessons. Yeah, but, but because of that tight timeline, we had to figure out what we were going to do. Now, the other challenge is, okay, Michael, I'm going to go build a warehouse, but you got to remember, from October until May, I only have 20 people in my warehouse. But from May until September, I've got like 80 people in my warehouse to address these uh, volumes. So how do I minimize congestion? I don't want people in the same aisle. I don't want to be able to slow down my process. So that's what we had to look at. Now from a constraints perspective, we walked in, Conveyor Solutions and School Health had come up with this design. I shook my head at a couple of the ideas and concepts, but it was fixed. So we had an environment, we had to do the best we could with what we had. We wanted to look at the cart and flow and we also wanted to look at the pick path, and we'll talk about that on the layout. The goals, number one, minimize replenishment. Number two, minimize travel. And then the ultimate was um, something that we call order commonality, okay? So what items are ordered together should be picked or staged close to together? And then the last part is like item separation. We'll talk a little bit about it. So what we, Alpine Supply Chain, do is we've partnered with a company called Optricity. I don't know if anybody's heard of Optricity. They're the number one slotting optimization software product out there. They use a deterministic algorithm to solve for the ultimate end state, and then they reverse engineer it backwards. So we partner with them. We use that for our storage type analysis, and we use that for our slotting. So let's talk a little bit about the project. Number one, they're gonna go and put these case flow lanes in where you've got basically five levels, 
five positions, you get 25 items within a very small area. So instead of travel, it's really bend and reach, making sure that you have your A items right here, your B items a little bit higher, C items at the top and the bottom, right? Minimizing the bend and reach. The big part of this was, okay, well, when we're in peak, how many people can I put in this pick module to minimize congestion to do a pick and pass versus non-peak, how many zones can I spread out for one picker to be able to pick from? The second part of it was they have so many items that look exactly the same. It's just a number on the outside of this little box. So to keep like items separated to increase your picker's productivity and minimize mispicks. This item is $500, this item is $5. You definitely don't want them next to each other mixing it up. So we had a, a rule that said they had to be at least two or three bays and positions away in the pick module. Now, we talked a little bit about the bin layout. So what was interesting for this particular environment is with regards to best in class and best practice, the pick cart started up here and came down this side. And on the left-hand side, you had case flow. So you had the ability to pick some of the higher volume items and then you wanted to take a trip around the outside and be able to get yourself completed and finish right back where you started. Now in an effort to do that, we didn't want to have you going all the way up and down, up and down, up and down all the aisles. So we picked on this side. So this is the bin area. So this is picking eaches and small items. The A items were obviously in the case flow, but these are your B and C items. So your really big B pluses are out here. Your B items are on the outside edges, so you can grab them right there, only walking in one or two bins. And your C and D items are right in the middle where you actually have to travel halfway up the aisle to pick it and then come out, go in this aisle, pick it, come out, go up here, pick it, come out. So right, that's the way that we actually did it. We wanted to slot it to minimize travel and actually replenishment. The other and thing that was here, our solution for the WMS as well, because we can't just walk all the way through with that, that yeah. limitation. So the limitation with the WMS is an order actually has to stay together through the whole process. Um, not cubing, not cartonizing, not picking to the original outbound carton. That's why they have the pack stations. So phase two is putting in a new WMS, and then we'll be able to take better use of this existing layout. Um, one of the other things that was interesting as part of this process, Optricity has a relationship with ID Label. So you can actually take the location addressing system directly out of Optricity, and it goes directly into ID Label's format, and then they print the actual rack. Labels, case labels, bin labels. So we worked with School Health, we took it, and they were able to take it. We developed a location addressing system that was easy for their pickers to be able to see and work with so that each location had a very unique identifiable aisle level bay row position and it worked with that. The other thing is, is they said, hey, in the reserve location, let's not staff 25% of it so that way when we have peaks or we get new items in, we've got some free room in the warehouse to move some stuff around. So how did we do, right? So again, I think Dan had been trying to get us in for a while Finally, I think we had our first meeting at the end of December, and they said, okay, I think the slotting thing sounds good. So we kicked off the project on January 2nd, and they're like, we need to move on March 8th. And we're like, okay, this is probably gonna be the shortest timeline for our slotting project. But we strapped on the helmet, 
they made themselves available, and we actually did the slotting project in five weeks. Luckily, we had already been on site in December. We had already gotten some information. We started doing the proxy dims, but officially the project started on January 2nd, and we got done on February 7th. Now you're like, well, wait, we're not moving until March 8th. Why do you need the project to end on January 7th? So what we did is we took the slot book, which said, hey, I'm in the old building in this aisle level bay row position, and I'm gonna move to the new building in this aisle level ray bow position. We gave them 30 days to start identifying and put placards on their product in the old building, so when they received it in the new building, they knew exactly where it went. So we took this data, and we knew how many moves. That was the foundation of the move plan. So now we knew how many temporary workers were needed, how many trucks were needed, and how long it was gonna take to physically move all the items in the old building into the new building. So believe it or not, the slotting actually benefited because it was able to minimize travel, replenishment, give them a location addressing system to get new labels, and then be the foundation of their move plan. So it was kind of interesting how we were able to do that. The slotting accommodated both peak and non-peak activity because we know that a lot of their volume is right before back to school. We fit the 9,000 SKUs into the facility. And then the big one here was um, that line balancing, making sure that there was minimal congestion, the like item separation, order commonality, those items that were ordered together, and then the labeling schema and a database so that they could manage it. So that was my part of the project and we're really excited about it. I'm gonna turn it over back to Beth and she'll talk a little bit about the move plan. How many of you have moved a warehouse? It's fun, isn't it? I've moved twice. The first time I was customer service manager, this time I was project manager. I don't ever want to move a warehouse again, but if I do, I know better how to do it. Uh, a couple of things that, that Michael mentioned. So we originally thought for the slotting piece that our inventory control manager could maybe do that through a spreadsheet. He kept saying, yeah, I could do it. Yeah, I could do it. Finally, you know, he and I had a conversation. I'm like, are you going to tell Melissa there's a difference between I could do it and how long it would take you? Which is partly why it took us so long to bring in Alpine. Because he finally did have that conversation. So the move uh, plan came about. As Michael mentioned, we have this slot book. We're planning exactly how are we going to get items from this spot to this spot. And as he pointed out, some of the items that we sell are very high, high dollar items. We do not want to have any shrinkage in the midst of this, especially bringing in temps. So we were actually scanning to pallet, scanning to truck, scanning to dock, and then scanning into the new location. So at any given time, technically, we would know where every product was. I say technically because not everyone followed the plan that we came up with, so that would be a lesson learned. Make sure that everybody from the managers on down knows what the plan is and knows the purpose of the plan. So we started on uh, March 9th. The actual physical move the night before, we had already set up our bin, bin master and some of the other things that we needed to do in our ERP system to make sure that we were ready to go. And then we began the whole move with all these temps. So we had people in the new building, we had people at the existing building, and for the most part it went like clockwork until everyone was like, hey, it'll look really good if we ended early. And I disagree, but I'll just say that's one of your lessons learned. 
don't end early because they just started throwing things on trucks, and some of those things are still lost. Um, so yes, you can see all, everything we've got here. We had to label all those bin shelves. First, we had to buy all the labels. I had lots of fun putting together that spreadsheet to make that purchase. Be very careful and make sure you have someone proofread your purchase because we had to do a couple of extra buys since I didn't have a proofreader. Um, we started to bring things in. We had a lot of the, the seasoned employees for the warehouse come into the new warehouse and help us do a lot of that setup so they could start to get a feel for it. I was walking them through to teach them the pick path um, as we were showing them some of this stuff and they were helping us to put on the labels. So again, all these things helped them to familiarize themselves so that they would be prepared when they actually had to start picking a pick. So we began to ship, yes, on March 18th, which was a challenge. We didn't really test anything out. We had a couple of small orders that we kind of figured it out, and off we went. And we've done pretty well since then. We have uh, 2019 over 2018, we packed 41,000 more lines, which for us is a standard one-month non-peak. So we basically did one month worth of extra work. We also found out that now order processing is the, uh, is the bottleneck. So another project for me. All right. And yes, we cleared the backlog because obviously the senior management wanted to know exactly when are we going to start getting money coming in because you should have seen their faces when we said, listen, the best way to do this is we shut down for a week. And I'm still working there, and I'm the one who told them. So, it, you know, it does work. You just got to figure out how to say that right. Next slide. All right. So we have all these beautiful pictures that are probably an eye, eye chart for you guys in the back here for you to see. We have wonderful state-of-the-art conveyor. And I don't know. I think it's really cool. I would just stand out and watch the conveyor all day because I'm big geek. But... Um, these new packing stations, as he mentioned, we only use all of them during our peak season, but they're out there ready to go because we do sell healthcare products. So these past couple weeks have been insane for us, um, just like a mini peak. So we have that increased vertical capacity. We went from, uh, I think it was 24 inch clearance or 24 foot clearance to uh, 32 foot clearance. So we got extra space, which of course, led to having to train the drivers of the reach trucks to go higher. And actually, we're, we're putting in some extra beams right now. We're having that discussion. Do we go 20 inches higher? Because that's going to create a whole different situation for them. So you always have to think about what are the, uh, what's the fallout of those decisions that you make. And uh, let's see, four shipping and four receiving dock doors. We only had four dock doors total in our previous building. So we didn't have dedicated receiving and dedicated shipping. This was a huge change for us. Next slide. All right, lessons learned. I just realized as we're talking, this is not my entire list of lessons learned. And one of the things I think I'm missing there is data. So let's talk about data for just one minute. If you think you have clean data, you don't. Trust me. We had, we had DIMMs, but we had full case DIMMs. We didn't necessarily have each DIMMs. We had items that didn't have DIMMs for whatever reason. And I'm using DIMMs, he used cubes, so whichever phrase you prefer. DIMMs is the one that comes to mind because that's the one we say all day. We, have, we do kitting. So those inner kit items 
we didn't want those in the list. Well, it took us three iterations to make sure that we got them all on the list because guess what? We don't identify those items very well. Thank you, product management helped, helped us to clean that piece up. But it was multiple iterations before we even got it to a point where we could work with Alpine and they weren't going, uh, what's this? We also had dead stock we wanted to get rid of. All those fun things that goes into your data and that, like I said, I'm going through again. We're doing split beam and we're also planning for that acquisition that we were told not to worry about last year. Um, so then, start your planning early. You always need way more time than you think you do. We had actually started in 2017 and you know here we are right at that last minute, like Michael's saying, engaging them and bringing in David didn't necessarily help because he's an opinionated guy. Um, be inclusive. So that was one of the most important things. I said early on that when we got in our first engineer, it was only some of our senior managers that talked to him. Then I got to be, participate a little bit with that brainstorming session. Now, I'm a, as a project manager, I, I have worked in distribution for 20 years, but I don't work in warehouses on a normal basis. So I just look at process. And even I'm looking at this process, and I'm kind of going, uh... We're missing some pieces here. So I started to bring in some of our senior managers. These people are very knowledgeable. Very few of them had been through a building move or a warehouse layout project, but they know what they're doing. So I started to have meetings with them, and we started to talk about what is this layout that we have here going on, and what do we intend to accomplish? We had a lot of mixed pallets in our old building. We wanted to get rid of mixed pallets. That first layout didn't get rid of mixed pallets. Oops. Bring in your senior people. They know what they're doing. Even if they've never been through something like that, you get someone like me who just understands process or project management and says, listen, this is what we need to do. And then you bring in good, good consultants. Um, engage knowledgeable consultants. There we go. See, I said it without even looking at that list. It's very important. These guys, here's what I can say about consultants. And I was telling Michael this last night. My gauge for a good consultant is that guy says, or that woman, hopefully sometimes it's a woman, says, you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Because how many of us have worked with consultants and at the end of a project they go, well, I didn't, you know, well, did you give me this? And they go, I didn't give you that. Well, why didn't you give me this? Because you didn't ask the question. What? These guys don't do that. Primo. Uh, track, measure, and manage. Make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing at the time that they're supposed to be doing it. And why? Because I think the why wasn't there when we were moving those last couple trucks out of, that, uh, out of our old building. They're thinking they're doing a great thing. They're going to look really good to the senior management because they're getting out of the building two days early. We still have lost product. It's in the warehouse somewhere. And I'm dealing with that from a data standpoint. Uh, run a dress rehearsal. We did not run a dress rehearsal. Obviously, this doesn't mean actually do it, but run that dress rehearsal to see this person does this, this person does that, that person does this. A couple of things we would have found out. As we were slotting, what we didn't recognize is that we want different days on hand for different rack types. We did the same number of days on hand, whether it was in case flow or bins or anything like that. And our inventory control manager, if he was here, would tell you that's his biggest pain still because we didn't take a look at that. So now we're doing reslotting with them in preparation for our, our uh, peak season and these new beams we're putting in, and we're going to keep that in mind. 
And now, here's Naomi. Naomi likes to go on a trip. We've had Naomi for years. Obviously, we are a healthcare company, and Naomi likes to dress up. So she wanted to come and show herself to you guys. Um, she's wearing a beautiful T-shirt that says, I survived the school health move, that was designed by one of our graphic designers. Last one. Last And here is our team from a few years ago. That's our logo, School Health. And we thank you very much, and it's time for questions. So if there's any questions, we'll uh, repeat them because we're being uh, recorded, and then we'll answer them for you. Any questions? If not, thank you guys so much for uh, your time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your Modex conference. And one quick thing, in the back of the room on your way out, we have to go along with the theme of We Survive the Move. We have some survival packs back there for you. Bottle of water, some Purell, antacids, aspirin, <laughs> in case I gave you a headache. <laughs>